and I'll bet that they're being heard on every radio telescope on the entire Earth. Are you feeling by any chance like a goober? I know you are, but what am I? What does it look like I'm doing picking goobers? Pardon me, did I hear you say? On the radio, he is introduced like this. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Goober Hour. I am now so incredibly honored to say I am here with the great Fred Penner. Thank you for joining us. Oh, cut it out. Hello, Trevor. <laughs> Fred, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. Uh, my my pleasure. Good to chat with you. Right off the bat, your Christmas album is one of my favorites in the Christmas season. I, I wanted to bring it up right away. Fabulous. Great. <laughs> so, listeners, if you are looking for a great Fred Penner album to dive into, you should be looking for the Christmas one. Christmas Time by Fred Penner is an amazing album. I specifically love your white Christmas cover. I think it's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty. That one's pretty pretty straight ahead, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. So I want to go right to your beginnings. What first brought you into making the music that you make? You really? Uh, where do you start with that one? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I grew up in in Winnipeg, and my parents were very musical. They uh, they, they loved the the swing era. From, uh, from that time. So the Benny Goodman and the Dorsey brothers, etc. So we had lots of that kind of music when I was growing up, uh, as well as a lot of classical orchestral music, uh, just a good, a good range of things. Plus my older brother and sister were into the, you know, the early boy bands in the fifties and the early rock and roll. So I, I had a really eclectic range of sound that was, uh, that was getting into my head from a, from a very, very young age. And because I, I had a good ear for music and I would sing along with some of the tracks and, you know, and, and harmonize as well, because I, I had a good ear for that, it, uh, it just kept growing. The, the ability that I had to make music took many different directions along the way. And it wasn't until sort of later in the 70s, I'd been in, in a comedy show band and we had done lots of music that involved participation with the audience. And then in the late 70s, I, I created the Cat Came Back album that was encouraged by, by some benefactors in Winnipeg. Uh, and that was the prime time for, for children's music, for family entertainment with Sharon Lewis and Bram and Raffi and myself basically coming on that scene at about the same, uh, the same time in the mid-late the mid 70s. So I, I just started creating music, started doing songs that I remembered from my own childhood. And, and within, within a few years, I was into the Fred Penner's Place TV series world, which uh, obviously changed, changed my life. I, I mean, if you want to get specific of, of, of really when, when the turnaround happened of my approaching music, it really was, uh, was a mortality check. When my father, who was dying from uh, from cancer mm. in the in the early seventies, and my sister, my younger sister, who was born with Down syndrome, and she was ailing as well, and and they died within a year of each other, I was suddenly faced with a with a with a major transition in my life. I, I had just graduated university to fulfill my father's dream of doing that because he was never able to go to university. And, and here I was, you know, a young man in my early twenties and I had, had no, I, I had no direction. 
Right. I'd, uh, I'd gone through a, you know, a BA economics program, but I did not want to be an economist. And so the, the only thing that had given me any kind of real bliss was making music, you know, that variety of music that I had mentioned. And so I, I just started playing lounges and bars and, you know, any, any place that would have me, folk clubs, coffee houses, etc. And, and eventually that, that led to, uh, to doing that first children's album in the late 70s. Now old Mr. Johnson had troubles of his own. He had a yellow cat who wouldn't leave his home. He tried and he tried to give the cat away. He gave it to a man going far, far away. But the cat came back the very next day. The cat came back. They thought he was a gunner, but the cat came back. He just couldn't stay away. Give me a meow, go. Now, you brought up your comedy band. I, this obviously, it interests me because I my background is in comedy and now here I am entertaining kids. So I'm a big, big fan of Cornstalk. I've actually, <laughs> we've played some Cornstalk songs on this radio show oh. as Al Simon fans as well. We have to. Great. So Great. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Cornstalk memory from back in those days? <laughs> oh, there, <laughs> there are a few. Favorite corn? Oh, the, I, I think my my favorite cornstalk memory is, uh, I, and and certainly I'm glad you mentioned Al, one of the most incredible uh, human beings and creative talents on this planet. Uh, <laughs> if if your listeners don't know who Al Simmons is, do do the check because uh, he's he's truly incredible. Uh, but with with cornstalk. We did a ten-minute Sesame Street sketch oh. in the in the bars of uh, of Canada, where we'd get it. We'd get on stage, and I I would I'd play Cookie Monster. <laughs> Al was was Grover, and and Al would do the preposition song, you know, around. Around, 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 over, under, through, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and then he would he would sing it, and, and then uh, when the song, if you remember the song, then there's a part where he, where he goes near to something, goes right up to him and says near, and then he goes to the other end of the stage and says far, <laughs> and then again comes near and far. So that that's the humor of the song, but we were playing in Morden. Manitoba, which is a small Mennonite community just south of the city. And we were on a big stage and there were probably a thousand people in the audience. And at the other side of the audience, you know, probably a hundred yards away was the city hall. And the city hall had an external staircase, a fire escape. And so, so we're, we're doing, we're doing the Sesame Street sketch. We're doing the prepositions. Al comes up to me, he, he does the near, goes to the other end of the stage, says far. Then he comes up like nose to nose with me, goes near. Then he jumps off the stage, you know, as we're vamping the cord, runs through the audience, a hundred yards, climbs up the external fire escape and yells far <laughs> from the top of this building and, and then runs all the way back to the stage. And it was are you? It's like it's performance art in a way, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to do something that 
that insane. You would never consider. Uh, I mean, it 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 boggles my mind to this day that that he uh, he actually played that uh, that that game that that bit right right to the hilt. And that but that was Al. He he never did anything halfway. He would he would go full tilt, you know, with anything he did. <laughs> Yeah, I love how a lot of those bits like I Am For You ended up becoming part of his routine. Yes. It's awesome to see that you know a bit is great when it doesn't even change from a comedy context to an, to an all-ages audience. Truly. I wanted to ask you, is there any specific element of those days that made it into your music, do you think? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Uh, the, that, that spontaneity of being on stage and playing with the audience, and it was it was improv is what we were doing. Some of the songs that we did then, like Sandwiches, carried over into certainly into my into my work, my second most requested tune. Just the the sense of play, I think that that uh, Cornstalk got into. Which was always part of my my world anyway. Doing uh, theater classes in the seventies, I don't think I mentioned that, but I was in in uh, theater for about the same time frame as Cornstalk, doing uh, musical comedy, uh, stage drama, you know, a whole range of different types of performing. Being able to carry some of that. Uh, that theatrical excitement onto the stage with Al, and then learning more about about the the playfulness of improv, yeah, it it was a, a very very powerful on on the job training experience, no doubt. I was watching the incredible documentary about you, Fred Penner, This Is My World, which Ooh. was available on Super Channel. And my favorite thing that I learned about you is that your first album, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your first album, you basically got a blank check for it from a from a lovely fan. How, how did that come to be? Uh, who who knows how these things happen, eh? Uh, my, my ex-wife and I had a children's dance theater company called Sundance in, in Winnipeg. And we had been doing a, a stage performance for children where where the kids would come on stage. And well, it's on the first album. It's the story of Blunder, where where there's there's a character who's who, who's not very polite. And it, it's a very, very moralistic type of uh, type of show. But there were different aspects of it where costumes would be put on children and they would be, you know, led through the storyline. My ex-wife had choreographed all that, and I had written all the music for it. And it was a, it was a fun, fun production. And at the end of one of the shows, uh, this benefactor that you're mentioning, uh, a doctor and his wife, and, and they had two, two young children, young boys, and they approached me and asked if I had a record because they liked the sound of my voice. And they said, do you, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear more of you. And I said, no, I, I hadn't even thought about what that would take. And they, they said, well, we think you should do a record, you know, and, and basically gave me a blank check. So I started putting the pieces together. Uh, you know, I had some friends do the producing, called in my musician pals, including Al. He played banjo on the first album. And, uh, and the cat came back, was born. And it cost about a little over $8,000 in 1979. 
and uh, and I was able to sell enough vinyl to my audience, my audiences, to pay them back. You know, within about six months, which I, I I'm very proud of of that work ethic that that allowed me to you know to pay them back. I'm not sure if they were even expecting to be paid back, but but I just felt that was the right thing to do. Wow, that's that's magical. <laughs> it was it was quite something. I I that lit the fire. You know, it's odd in my trip the way that so many of the things I've done I would never have considered doing. You know, like I, I had no, I, no idea that I would be a recording artist until this person saw that in me, and I, uh, I, I accepted that as a challenge. Uh, there was a theater in Winnipeg, an outdoor theater called Rainbow Stage, which does musical comedy like Hello Dolly, Fiddler on the Roof, etc., and uh, shows that I was in. But I had no, even though I had some theatrical background, I had no confidence that I could do that kind of uh, that kind of stage work until a, a choral director, Peter Buchan was his name, in Winnipeg. He uh, he came up to me. He says the auditions are coming up for Rainbow Stage. Why don't you go try try out for that? I sort of stopped and I said really you, you think I could do I could do that he said yeah absolutely absolutely so I I uh, you know I worked up a couple of songs and I and I sang them and they accepted me and I and I did five shows over three seasons and you know I played character roles in in those musicals that I mentioned plus others it was his seeing something in me that I didn't see in myself that caused me to to make that step and and to do the first record and to do the TV series because I had no idea that I could do television until CBC completely out of the blue called me and and said we've been watching your progress in the, this is in the early 80s uh, I'd already done four albums I toured nationally and uh, and they were looking for a replacement for the friendly giant on CBC Kids, and and the head of children's, Dodie Robb was her name, she uh, she just said, we, we think that you would be a good fit. What do you think? And it was, what do I think? I don't know. How do I do this? And so I did my soul searching and came up with the, with the concept of the show, the natural environment, the log, etc. So again, it was that beautiful process where somebody gives you the encouragement to try something that you didn't think that you could do or had never conceived of. And that's probably one of the biggest life lessons that I could ever pass on to anybody is encourage the people around you to do the things that you, that you think that they are capable of. And, and when you get those pats on the back and that encouragement, it opens up a whole world of confidence. It's really important to do that. Absolutely. I have to ask you very briefly, which character did you play in Hello, Dolly? <laughs> I was Friedrich the Hedwater. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> do, you, do you know the play? You know oh, very much so. I love Hello, yeah. Dolly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. I, I loved I loved doing that. I had a... In fact, if I if I can track it down, I'll I'll send you a picture of uh, of, of Friedrich Sehedveta. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> that I did. Anyway, yeah, it was it was a, a very stiff stiff kind of German character. Yes, but anyway, yeah. Welcome. Well, come on in. Thanks for stopping by. 
We'll make these moments fly And we'll sing a song or two Stories will help us through Fred Penner's Place was such a magical program. I think it brought so much joy to so many people. It's lasted such a long legacy at this point. What was it like to then go and translate all of these songs that you had created into the visual format like that? That was uh, one of the, the most um, um, unbelievable 13 years of my life. Yeah, We did that almost a thousand episodes over that time frame. It just got to the core of my creativity. You know, getting getting in front of a camera, learning, and it's something that I, I think I did instinctively, but learning to not be overwhelmed by the camera, but realizing that the camera really is a connection with millions or hundreds. So how many how many kids, how many people were watching? You know, hundreds of thousands, perhaps, but looking at that camera as if it was one child. And then, and and that changes the energy that you that you bring to it. You're just having a conversation with one person, and so the encouragement to come here, I want to show you something. You know, isn't isn't a big over the top kind of thing. It's it it can it can be gentle because you're just prodding curiosity, etc. And doing the songs, bringing music into it was was challenging, but easier than I thought it would be. And and I think the reason for that was uh, the I, after a few years we we started off when the series began we did a lot of cover tunes you know I, I was doing you know dancing in the street David Bowie you know uh, <laughs> there was a wonderful range of of cover tunes that we were allowed to do because it was children's television and they did they, they didn't ask for royalties on that because of of the venue of the uh, genre oh wow but then but then eventually the industry caught on and said no we should be charging for that so that stopped us doing cover tunes and we relied more on originals and traditional songs and uh, and I was I was writing intensely at that point, and I would write songs specifically for the scripts that were being written. If uh, one of the writers, you know, was was going through had had a batch of songs that they were trying to fit into this the script concept, if they couldn't find the right song, I would say to them, just write down Fred original two minutes and send me the script <laughs> and and then i would i would just create the song based on what they had written at that point so it 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 really opened up a beautiful creative path for me to uh to to make music i relished that opportunity every day I, i'd be writing songs on the way to the studio sometimes <laughs> you know and 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 then as soon as i get to the studio we'd you know, we, we'd pop into the into the music room where I had three of the most incredible Winnipeg players. They were they were they they were part of the uh, the original Winnipeg jazz scene in the uh, you know in, in the in the fifties sixties. Wow! They they played they they were the backup group for Lenny Bro if you know who Lenny Bro was. So I, I had these three unbelievable players who I could just give them the idea of where I was going with this this song or chord progression, and they would go with it. I was really blessed to have that as a solid background for my for my musical component, and it just kept growing from there over over the period of time. I wrote hundreds of songs. <laughs> 
Yes, that that's amazing that so many of those songs were actually written in such a high pressure time frame. I, I always look back at those episodes and I can't believe that some of those originals were were rushed out because I think they're just beautiful little masterpieces. Mm. <laughs> Do you think that experience of writing them right before you would go in sometimes helped the songs or, or or did you prefer to have more time with them? It depended on the song. Some some of them were short because we were I was keeping within a you know a two minute time frame that uh, when I wrote a song after the fact I'd look at it and say oh, you know it'd be nice to have had I had a, a, a bridge in this song or take I added another verse that would have expanded the perspective of the tune mm. you know so it uh, and and that happened with you know with some of them along the way where I would go back and revisit and uh, you know and, and just take them a little farther but but for the most part because they were written to task and to the script they uh, they they fit they were fun to perform they were they were spontaneous. They drew upon my knowledge of of different styles of music, so I, I didn't feel like I was locked into, you know, a, a little three chord progression. But I expanded things into you know d- diminished and augmented chords, and you know the minor seven. The whole world of music was available to me, so I, I didn't let that restrict my writing ability. That's that's great that you didn't, because there's so many classics that came from that. And I of course have to bring up the iconic opening sequence. I think anyone who grew up, but especially in Canada, anyone who grew up in the last century knows the amazing forest walk. It's, it's so magical. And then you walk through the log. Um, where did that concept come from when you started making the show? That came from, again, as as much of my work did from my childhood. And I, I remembered I was in, uh, I was in Scouts when I was, uh, you know, a young boy, pre-teen even, I think. And uh, one of the things that I really appreciated in, in, the, in the scouting journey was learning how to mark your trail. You know, when, when you're, if, you're, if you're going to an area that you're, you're not familiar with, put, notch, you know, grab some, some twigs on the ground, put an arrow in the ground, move a branch here, check a rock, put a rock over there, stack up a couple of rocks, just so you know where, where you've been. And, and if you get lost, you retrace your steps, say, oh, yeah, here's where I was. This is the direction I'm going, etc. And I and I re- I remember really liking that as a guideline for, you know, for for following uh, a path. And so when I started thinking about the series, I, I didn't want just a, a like a very urban kind of thing, just a door where you knock on and somebody comes in. I wanted this trip to Fred Penner's place to be a journey because you know very simply life is a journey. <laughs> and uh, and so I created that that path of going around a tree, of following that fence, of balancing on that rock, of walking down that path, of saying hello to the, you know, to the to the beaver in the pond or the bird up in the sky, whatever, and ultimately getting to that hidden log, lifting up the branches. Nobody's there, just just you and me. And I crawl into the log and enter into Fred Penner's place. And now we are protected. It's not a space that, that is easy to get to. You have to follow those particular paths and lines and, and markers to get to that log, to enter into that world. And so the idea was this is now a safe place for you to be with this guy for the next 15 minutes or half an hour, whatever. 
and that and that was the key the key element to the whole thing for me is is this this is a a gentle safe and playful area for you to be with me and it felt like it along with many of the other influence that you've brought to my life one thing that has lasted is anytime i am outdoors and i see a log i have to check <laughs> up to this day yes. i have to make sure it's not the log <laughs> it's interesting just in the last while i've had a number of people send me pictures of logs that they've found in the forest and you know <laughs> and the flashback that uh, that came to me <laughs> Well, that's that's an amazing legacy within itself. I think if you've got people checking out different logs in the forest, yeah, and you've got true, us all yeah. outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very sweet. It's uh, it's been such an amazing, uh, amazing trip for me, and I'm 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 thankful to the core that all of this happened. You've got to be proud of the people around you, proud of the things that you do, proud of your dreams and feelings inside, and never afraid to let them shine through. No, never afraid to make them come true. You're one of the rare guests that we have on this show where you yourself are the inspiration for so many other guests that we've talked to. I think that, that was something I was really noting is, oh, really? you know, you've, you've got an incredible scene in Canada of, of kids music and you really pioneered the way, I think, for so many artists. I wanted to ask, are there any musicians out there right now that you really love? Yeah, there, there's, there's a, different, a different approach now than when I was you know, just coming into it. There's a there's a fellow named Jeremy Fisher, mm. who's a, a young a young performer, and he's he he's he writes some really really beautiful music, and uh, and he's he's got a, a lovely playfulness to him, and it's and some intelligence to his you know to his work. I'm hoping that the direction that some of the performers are going starts to go deeper in in the in the way that they create the music that it's not it's not just a simple getting up on the stage and jumping around and you know making some funny faces or whatever that that there is truly a depth and power and energy with music for families for children that doesn't have to be simple that doesn't have to be a, a, a concept that, that you think oh child will definitely understand this open up the channel and get complicated make make songs that have 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 really good melodic patterns that were a good chorus and and good chord progression and you know make it complex because children can absorb way more than people sometimes give them credit for and that's and that's where i i i really encourage anybody getting into it is don't feel like you're being hindered because your audience happens to be a third of the size of you you know, it's their 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 brains are probably twice the size of you. So approach that. Look at it from a a much more complex and uh, and all encompassing direction. I think. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, that's amazing advice. I'm I'm taking notes as we speak. <laughs> I want to build onto that. What would you say? That's already terrific advice. If there's any words of advice that you have for anyone writing and performing for children, what what do you think encapsulates writing these days? Uh, one of the first things that I say when when somebody either either sends me a, a demo or or asks me about what they can do as you are to get into this industry, I say, why are you doing this? Mm. What is your 
reasoning for doing this? What is your philosophy of life? What is your perspective on your own humanity, on your own music? Why are you doing this? Uh, if, if, it's, if it is just, you know, fame and fortune, ha, 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 good luck with that. <laughs> well, there's a, a phrase that I hold on, hold dear to along the way. It's never underestimate your ability to make a difference in the life of a child. And that is so critical. Every every person has that ability to, to really, it, this goes back to that, that encouragement that people had given me along the way. But we can give that same kind of encouragement to children at a, at a very young age. You know, if if they're if they're drawing a picture, if they're doing whatever they they are doing, giving them that that virtual or physical pat on the back and saying, "Good on you, that's fabulous, well done," and then all of a sudden you feel your spine straighten a little bit and you feel a little more confident about life. That is what music can do for a child as well. You know, if you are approaching it with some integrity, with some honesty with a perspective that is more encompassing of the value of that human being, of that human spirit, and where they can go and grow in life. That's, well, thank you for the amazing, I've got tears in my eyes. That's such amazing advice. (laughs) Oh, you're sweet. (laughs) Oh, it really is. Mm. Now, before you go, here at the Goober Hour, we like to ask a question that you've definitely never been asked before in oh. any other interview. Something that makes us stand out. It's going to cut a little deep because obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan. Okay. Your amazing movie, What a Day. I, re- I was obsessed with that VHS as a kid uh. with Al Simmons. Again, I'm a big Al Simmons fan as well. So I think it was the collaboration of the century at the time for me. And you had Charlotte Diamond, Rocky Rolletti. There's, a, there's so many artists on that. I wanted to ask if you could go into a magical photo booth and teleport anywhere you wanted to right now, where would you teleport? Oh boy. <laughs> that's that is that's a good one. At this at this moment. My my wife and I spent time in Italy in, in 2014. So at the at this moment I, I would love for my wife and I to open the doors from the train station in Venice to the Grand Canal mm. and seeing the Grand Canal in Venice right now would be would be pretty awesome. <laughs> have you been to Italy? I have once. I was very little though. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good answer. So, I guess we have <laughs> solved the age-old question, where in the world is Fred Penner going? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he, he's hiding on a gondola in, in Venice. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a good question because there's so many images came, came to mind. It was <laughs> Boy, there, there are, uh, I've, I've covered some, some pretty interesting ground over these years. Well, that's a solid answer. I think we'll see you in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Please come by anytime. If you want our listeners to go search you up, where's the best place to find all of you? If for whatever reason, they're not already obsessed with every single thing you've ever done, where's the best place to find you? Fredpenner.com. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the uh, the website, and there's there's a little store, you know, for for t-shirts or whatever. My tour schedule is essentially on there. That that jumps around because I'm not doing a whole lot of touring right now. But uh, but but that's the spot that I uh, that I put information in when I when something is happening. Fredpenner.com.
Love to hear from you folks. Thank you for uh, allowing me being part of your uh, of your trip here, Trevor. It was great. Oh, no, thank you. Take good care of each other. That's what friends like to do. Let your sister and brother help you learn that it's true. We all need to feel wanted for the people who we are. So take good care. Take good care. Take good care. Take good care of each other.